Good morning, Mountain. Hey, everybody. Welcome to everyone, especially if you're new, if you're a guest, extra special welcome to you. Hello to friends over at the Bel Air and Edgewood campuses uh, joining us on video. And um, I'm Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. Good to be together. Uh, Some of you who are regulars are asking yourselves right now, oh my gosh, where is that splint, that very distracting splint that used to be on his hand? Has his surgically uh, repaired finger already totally healed? I'm here to tell you, I'm actually wearing it. I just fooled you with the camouflage straps. So you won't won't even notice it. It will not bother you at all. Um, (laughs) We're in this Love Does series. We're in week three. It's been really great so far. I want to encourage you, if you're not in a group yet, that is, that's a great next step to just kind of go deeper uh, with your spiritual journey. So do that. It's not too late to jump in one of those. Bob Goff, who wrote the book uh, that we're using, uh, basing this around, uh, he will be here with us in, during one of the weeks, so that's going to be fun. And we're doing these weekly challenges. We're doing a daily challenge that shows up on, on Instagram and social media. We have these little cards in the seats in front of you. And the hashtag love does MCC. And so we're just trying to challenge and encourage one another to, do, to show love. What I wanted to explain a little bit, uh, clarify maybe what this is and what this is not. What this is not is us kind of tooting our own horn and patting ourselves on the back and say, hey, look at me. I'm, I'm so important. I'm so special. Look at how I'm showing love. Jesus spoke pretty specifically against doing things like that. He said, don't go around parading, you know, how great you are uh, in front of other people. Uh, What we are trying to do is something else that Jesus taught a lot about, that the Bible teaches a lot about, which is uh, being a light and shining. You know, God calls us, Jesus calls us a city on the hill. uh, And we're supposed to let our good deeds shine before other people to encourage others to do the same, to, to elevate, not ourselves, but really only one person we're trying to elevate around here, that's Jesus, okay? And so do this, uh, use the hashtag, do it, if you can do it in a way that encourages other people to just show love, and that's all, all about pointing them toward the goodness of our God. We're supposed to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. So do that, and let's have some cool stories, and let's t- tell them and share them, otherwise uh, we might not ever get to hear about some of the cool stuff God is doing. All right, so that's what that's all about. Um, and maybe that's a good segue into what we're talking about today. <clears throat> we're, um, we're trying to live out love, right? We're trying to do love, live it out in our real lives, in the real world. And sometimes we're going to mess that up. Sometimes we're going to do it wrong. Sometimes we're going to uh, fail. Sometimes we, even if we kind of do it, do it well, it's going to be misinterpreted, right? People are going to, there'll be critics. And so it's just a fact that if we try to show love and live out love, failure will be a part of that. We're going to fail sometimes. So today, that's what we're going to talk about. And as, as we do that today, I know you come to church sometimes, and you, I, we're going to look at one word today to start with. Sometimes you come to church, you think you're going to hear big fancy words like, you know, biblical hermeneutics or uh, eschatology or ecclesiology or sanctification or something like that. Well, I'm going to give you a word that's much easier to handle. The word for today to begin is the word do, okay? D apostrophe O-H exclamation point catchphrase of Homer Simpson, who since 1989 on The Simpsons has uh, been saying that. He says do whenever he uh, injures himself, whenever he realizes he's done something stupid, whenever something bad is happening uh, around him. Uh, It even, do even made it in the dictionary, in the Oxford English Dictionary in 2001. You guys know this word, right? Now, uh, many of you maybe have your own version 
uh, that you use in moments like that. Maybe it's a little more colorful. Maybe a word you wouldn't say here today. Um, I don't. I don't know. I'm a pastor, so I really don't know those words or under, <laughs> understand them. Um, but for our purposes today, we're going to use the word dough. So we're going to practice. Okay, feel free to include like the face palm, you know, if you need to when you do it. And uh, we're going to practice. So on the count of three, everybody give me your best, most energetic dough. Ready? Three, two, one. That's good. That's good. All right. Now, thinking and praying about this relationship between failure and showing love. I, uh, I put it out on Facebook. I said, tell me about a time when you tried to show love and felt like you failed. And you guys gave me back some great stories. Some of them were really funny. So what we're going to do is <clears throat> we're going to do a, a, a ancient church tradition called call and response. And I'm going to say, I'm going to tell a story and then I'm going to say, and all God's people said, and instead of saying amen or his love endures forever or something like that, you're going to say, do, just like you said it just in. Okay. All together. It's going to be fun. All right. Listen, this, this is what Liz wrote. She said, when I'm waving at someone down the street, but they don't see me. Instead, the person five feet in front of my friend just thinks I'm crazy. And all God's people said, no. Jeremy said, brought peanut butter cookies for my class when I was in kindergarten. That's when a friend of mine found out he has peanut allergies. No. And all God's people said, no. uh, here's one from James. He said, once on a date, I took a girl on a picnic outside. When I tried to light a candle with a match, the matchstick broke and the flame landed on her dress and burned a hole in it, there was no second date. And all God's people said, Alan Stengel up in the booth, our, our very own, he said, sophomore year of college, being eight hours away from home, and it, when you're a sophomore in college, you probably don't have a lot of extra money. He says, I ordered around $100 worth of flowers from a mom and sister to be delivered on Valentine's Day. Well, at 3 a.m. on Valentine's Day, I get a phone call from my mom saying she and my sister were in the parking lot and drove all the way to Tennessee to surprise me. I went down, there they were, but I was frustrated. I spent $100 on flowers they wouldn't be able to get. And all God's people said, no. Uh, Ryan said this, I heard a little cat crying in a tree. I climbed up there and carefully got the cat. Then I tried to get down. I had had to jump up to the first branch. I'm not athletic enough to jump down with a cat. But I thought maybe its foot was hurting or something. Otherwise, why hadn't it just jumped down on its own? So I tried to jump down very gently, holding the cat. It was not a very graceful jump. The cat screeched and ran up a different tree. I left it there. <laughs> and all God's people said, a couple more here. These are too good. Uh, my friend Katie said, I became a Christian at age 16 and was so excited about it that I bought flowers and wanted to give them to the next person I saw to say that God loved them. It was a dude in a beat-up pickup truck. I hesitated, but I did it anyway, thinking it was the Holy Spirit leading me. The guy thought I was hitting on him and gave me his number. I kept saying, no, you don't understand. God loves you. These are from God. <laughs> and all God's people said, no. one more. My friend Tana, he, uh, he had a friend uh, whose fiance died suddenly, and he just wanted to write an email to, to you know, comfort them. And he said, I wrote this terrible email all about other people's losses, trying to make her feel better, but the email was just stupid. He got a reply back saying, you don't do this a lot, do you? <laughs> and all God's people said, no. Yeah. Sometimes it's really funny when we try to love, but we fail. Uh, but sometimes it's not all that funny. 
Uh, I, one of you wrote me about, you said, she said this, I tried to show love and support for a friend who just completed a residential rehab by throwing a surprise party for him. The social anxiety from the party caused him to go out to his car and drink. And you sort of almost want to laugh, but then you go, oh no. And he actually spiraled back down. It was, it's, a, it's a tragic story. She was trying to show love. You know, you guys wrote stuff like, I loaned them money. You know, we sacrificed and loaned them money. We, we invited them to live with us. And we were, they were robbed and betrayed and taken advantage of. Many of you know and have stories about loving a child, pouring into a kid, uh, and just being betrayed and, and rejected over and over maybe. Uh, some of you told me about times when you, after years maybe of estrangement and tension in a, in a relationship, maybe with a parent or whatever, friend, sibling, you got up the courage. You said, all right, love does. I'm going to do this. I, you wrote a letter. You bought flowers. You made a phone call. And it was just rejected and thrown back in your face. And it not only brought up all the old stuff, but added new stuff on top of it. it seemed to just make it worse. Maybe you could just insert your own tragic story of when you tried to show love and failed. Something went wrong. And I'm just here to tell you today, it's a fact. If we are going to try to live out love, failure, not if but when, will be part of the equation. So the question kind of for the day is, what are we going to do about that? How do we handle that? Should we just kind of, A, do we just say, ah, who cares? You know, I'm going to try to show love best I can. And if there's collateral damage, you know, that's not on me. Well, that doesn't feel quite right, right? Because real love, God's kind of love, really cares about other people, right? We're concerned. Jesus says we're supposed to put other people first. So that's not quite right. Should we instead just love very, very carefully, you know, cautiously, timidly, be very selective about when and where and who and how? Well, that doesn't feel quite right either for a follower of Jesus, right? Because we're supposed to love boldly. For God did not give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and of self-control. So that's not it. Should we just give up and quit loving altogether and just be like, no, I'm just me and mine and I'm just going to avoid those disasters? Well, no, obviously not. We're, we're talking about love does. So what do we do? How are we to really live out our love in real ways in the real world in the face of our inevitable and sometimes tragic failures? To help us answer this, uh, I, I thought today we'd just look at this biblical character, this guy named Peter. Okay, you probably heard of him. He was a real guy. We put an image up from a, like a film or something to just help you see um, this was a real dude. Okay, he was one of uh, the 12 apostles, one of the first followers of Jesus. Uh, he was a regular, regular guy, blue collar, fisherman. Okay, he was not Harvard educated. He was called and invited in the Gospels. Uh, Jesus says, come follow me. And he leaves and he does that. He's one of the main characters. He's somewhat of a leader among the apostles. He, uh, maybe partly because he talked a lot. He was always the guy speaking up, asking the question. You know, he was an impulsive guy. He was a ready, fire, aim kind of person, okay? He, Peter would have loved a series called Love Does. He also, though, would have been familiar with something like love, maybe should have thought through this first, right? Okay, so that's Peter. And I think he holds the record for the most dull moments in the Bible. Okay? So uh, his name, his given name was Simon. And then Jesus gave him this other name as well. He called him Peter, which means rock. 
Okay? We, really th- we usually hear about that. We think about that. We think, okay, Jesus was saying, you're, you're, you're strong like a rock. You know, you're, you're Rocky Balboa, solid as, strong as. But I got to tell you, I read the stories of Peter in the four Gospels and in Acts and in the rest of the New Testament. And I think maybe it might, I, it, I tend to think of it more kind of like rock as in dumb as. Okay? Dull as. I think about Lucy and Sally calling Charlie Brown a blockhead. So we're just going to take a, a brief tour through some of the dough moments of blockhead Simon Peter, the Homer Simpson of the New Testament, okay? Now, if you've never, by the way, re- just read one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the stories of the life of Jesus, four accounts of the same story, uh, or it's been a long time since you've just done that, just do that soon. Uh, just read through them like a story. Just pick one. Uh, don't read the little section headings. Just read through the whole thing like a story and, and maybe focus in on the life of Peter. You'll see things like this. <clears throat> Matthew 14, he got to walk on water with Jesus. Jesus comes walking on the water out to the boat where the disciples are. Peter says, if it's you, Lord, call me out there with you. And he does, and Peter takes steps and he walks on water. A- except that immediately, almost immediately, he, he looks away from Jesus. He gets scared, he loses faith, and he starts drowning and Jesus has to save him. Matthew 15, Jesus tells a parable, and Peter says, explain the parable to us. And this is a quote from Jesus, from the Bible. He looks at Peter and says, are you still so dull? And then he explains the parable. Uh, In Mark chapter 8, Jesus begins to teach them, and he says, okay, I'm going to have to suffer many things. I'm going to be killed. After three days, I'm going to rise again. And he says, he spoke plainly about this. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Peter says, no, 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 Jesus, let me tell you how it's supposed to be. And Jesus turns and looks at him, and he rebukes Peter, and he, he, said, he gives him another nickname. He says, get behind me, Satan. Glad that didn't stick as his other nickname, right? He says, you don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. They talk about a dough moment. John 13, Jesus does this amazing thing. He goes to wash his disciples' feet. He, uh, he redefines leadership forever in this moment. He says, if you want to be a leader, you're going to be a servant. And he says, you, you don't understand now, but later you will. Just trust me, okay? And Peter says, no, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus says, Peter, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. He says, then Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus is like, can I, Peter, just let me wash your feet, please. I just saw, I imagine Jesus often just taking a deep breath before he responds to Peter. Sometimes we talk about what was the, you know, Jesus lived a sinless life, the only one that never given in to temptation. What was the greatest temptation where he came the closest to giving in? Was it when he was face to face with Satan in the desert, offered all this worldly power? Was it uh, when, in the area of sexuality or lust, maybe? Was it when he started suffering and knew that he would suffer this brutal, painful death, maybe tempted to walk away from the cross. I think maybe it was when he was dealing with Peter every day. (laughs) And just Peter would say something else and Jesus would just bite his tongue and say, seriously? Uh, Just a few more, okay? There's a huge moment in the story we talked about recently, the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus goes... The night he's betrayed, the night before he's crucified, he, he says, I've got to go and pray. He takes some of his closest friends, including Peter, says, I need you to wait here and watch and pray. And he goes off and prays, comes back. Guess what Peter and his friends did? Fell asleep. 
Couldn't stay awake an hour. Huge moment. Jesus says, seriously, guys? He goes back. This happens two more times. They fall asleep two more times. Then a little later, soldiers come to arrest Jesus. He's betrayed by Judas. And Jesus, you know, he's, re- he's calm. He's in the moment. He's ready to hand himself over. And this incident is recorded in all four Gospels. Uh, they get ready. You know, in, in Luke, it says, when Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? Well, one guy just goes ahead and does it, right? He strikes with his sword, and, and John identifies that guy. Guess who it was? Peter. Peter is a chop-off-ears-now-and-ask-questions-later kind of guy. He chops a guy's ear off. And Jesus says, no, what? No, no more of this. And he touches the man's ear and he heals it. Then, of course, there's the famous um, triple denial of Jesus, you know, that Peter did. He's, uh, Jesus says, you know, <clears throat> when this stuff starts going down, you're all going to fall away. You're going to scatter. And then, then when I'll, I'm going to rise from the dead and I'll go with you into Galilee. And Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Jesus said, yes, you will. Uh, and before the rooster crows, you'll, you'll actually deny me three times. And Peter, but Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Well, guess what he did? Peter was there outside the place where they were holding Jesus. Somebody comes up and says, hey, you're one of his disciples, right? He goes, no, 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 no. Not me. They, they, somebody, they ask him again, you know, yeah, you look, I've seen you with him. You're one of the disciples of Jesus. He's like, no, 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 that must have been somebody who looks like me, not me. They come up a third time, they're like, Peter, you're wearing a t-shirt that says, Jesus is my homeboy. <laughs> it was you, you were there. And he says, I tell you, I do not know the man. And it says, Peter ran away and wept bitterly. This, this may be the ultimate dull moment in human history. This is Peter, the rock, one of the great heroes of our faith. And I could actually go on. There are more dough moments for Peter. But here's the great news for Peter and for you and for me. That's not his whole story. Peter also experienced a bunch of amazing wow moments with Jesus. You know, for example, uh, he got to preach some amazing sermons. In Acts chapter 2, there's this event called Pentecost, which is basically like the birthday of the church. The Holy Spirit comes down, and Peter got to preach that day, and 3,000 people put their faith in Jesus and were baptized that day. And he was the one. That just proves that God can use anybody, thank the Lord, to stand up and, and teach his word. You know, uh, he got to be a part of these amazing healings. Okay, in Acts chapter 3... Awesome story. There's a guy who, who can't walk, and he's begging, and he's like, give me some money. And Peter says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And the guy is healed, and he gets up and walks, and he's running and jumping, and it says he's praising God, and all the people saw him, and they were filled with wonder and amazement. Peter got to be a part of that. Uh, there's these stories of powerful just witness and testimony to what God had done and prayer. Acts chapter 4, they, uh, Peter and some others, they prayed and it says the place was physically shaken from what was going on in their prayers. Acts chapter 12, there's this miraculous escape from prison. From the, that Peter just, God throws the doors open, they walk out of prison. There's visions and conversions. Acts chapter 10, go read it. There's this cool story about this guy named Cornelius and his household. And I uh, don't have time to tell it, but Peter gets called in 
by God to, to be a part of this amazing story. And by the way, uh, when he gets this call from God, it says Peter was praying with some others in Joppa. So you are in the right place today. And there's just many more. You know, Peter, I really think Peter perhaps had the most dough moments with Jesus of anybody ever. And I think Peter also perhaps had the most wow moments with Jesus of anybody ever. Same guy. Which is really interesting, right? Isn't that interesting? He's, it's, it's not only fascinating, but it is, it is great news for us. It should give us hope. The story of blockhead Simon Peter can give us hope. Because he had, he had so many wonderful, wow moments with Jesus. He participated in these amazing, miraculous things. Not because, clearly not because he was some kind of super Christian, superhuman guy. It was because he was, a, he was a faithful Christian. He was a bold Christian. He loved God, and, and he did the best he could. Failure is a big part of all of our lives, all of us. So... What do we do with that? Some people realize it and they just say, man, what is the point of trying? You know, there's that Priceline commercial out right now for you basketball fans where Latrell Sprewell, who made some famous bad decisions, he just tells this little kid, says, success is just failure that hasn't happened yet. So is that, I mean, are we just going to go there, just be pessimists? There's a better perspective. If you actually go research failure and, you know, look up quotes and stuff, you'll find a lot of good stuff like, saying that failure isn't the opposite of success. It's a step on the way. It's a part of success, right? I'm trained as an engineer. That's how we think, you know? It's like a failure is just an opportunity to learn something that informs you, and then soon the failures lead to a success. If you're not failing, you're not trying, right? And that's, that's true in school, in business, in the lab, in our spiritual lives. I believe, I really believe it's true. We learn far, far more from the times when we struggle and fail than from the times when, when there's success, when it's just easy. So, some would argue that we only learn from the times when we struggle and fail. We don't actually learn anything from success. But, and all that I think is true, but even more than that, I think there's an even higher perspective that we need to grasp. Peter's story, which is just an example of other, you know, the, many other similar stories in the Bible. Abraham father of our faith, right? He did some incredibly dumb stuff, but God used him. He was trying his best. Noah, God, the family, leader of the family that God chose to kind of reset and restart the world. Uh, he messed up big time. Jacob was this sleazy weasel of a guy. He was just, he, he on his way to, in his journey and of maturity and growing toward God, he was, he did some awful stuff. He messed up bad. He's one of our key spiritual ancestors, and he, he got a new name, Israel, which became the name for the people of God. And the people of God, the story of, of our story is a story of people trying and failing and trying and failing and, and falling over and over again. So here's the good news. Despite his many remarkable failures, God never gave up on Peter. Jesus never turned his back and walked away from Peter. You, if you look at the Peter story in the context of the greater Christian story and you put it all together, all the does and all the wows, you have this amazing, remarkable testimony that the God that we love, the God we worship, the God we talk about around here is a pursuing God who never, ever, ever, ever gives up on us. 
That, that's part of what God's love does. It sticks with us even when we fail. I'm going to tell you about um, one of Peter's greatest moments. Maybe you've heard about uh, the good confession of Peter. These are, these are actually the words that we repeat here and at churches all over the world. Every time we uh, do a baptism, every time somebody places their faith in Jesus, we repeat the good confession of Peter. This I'm going to read from uh, Matthew 16. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? What are they saying about me? And they replied, some say you're John the Baptist, sort of like come back, reincarnated. Some say uh, Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the other prophets, you know, kind of back from the dead or back from heaven or whatever. Uh, And he looks at him and he says, he looks at Peter. And he says, what about you? And he asks him the most important question in the world. He says, who do you say that I am? And Peter comes through. He says, his answer was, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What he's saying is correct answer Peter you got it right and he's saying you're now come along with me you you're in this you have an important role to play you're gonna you're gonna be a leader and an important member of my team as we go forward and we're gonna change the world that statement on this rock I'll build my church some some uh, took that to mean that Peter was the, the became the first pope Okay, the Church of Rome, the Roman Catholic Church, kind of ran with that. Other churches, even in that day and all the way up to this day, would say, "Well, <clears throat> it's not, not exactly what we, we think it meant." You know, meant um, a church at Antioch, church at Ephesus, church at Alexandria, and uh, Philippi, and other places are also equally important as any other church. Um, so we we don't hear that as some sort of a declaration that we need sort of a, a earthly Christian king, so to speak. But what clearly what Jesus was saying was Peter. I need you. I need you to lead. You're, you're really important. You have an important role to play. We in our tradition would, would uh, interpret that linguistically and theologically more to mean something like Jesus is referring to that confession. He's conf- referring to the words when he says, on this rock, I will build my church. Anyone, Peter, you and anyone and everyone who comes along after you and says, says that I'm Lord and Messiah and Son of the living God, on, the, on that person, on that confession of faith, I will build my church. And, and don't miss the importance of that. He chose Peter to ask the question to. And he says, on you, even you, Peter, and on all y'all regular folks who mess up sometimes, I'm going to build my church. Here's the deal. He, said, he says, I love how he uses both names. He says, blessed are you, Simon, given name, and I tell you that you are Peter, the rock. He says, you're not maybe anybody else's number one draft pick, but I choose you because I love you. And he says, if you, any of you, will receive that love and let it flow through you and, and choose to love me back and to love other people the way I love them, then you can be a building block in my great kingdom. That's good news. Maybe it's also, you know, maybe it's also true of you that you're not the smartest or the most educated 
Maybe you tend to talk too much. Maybe you've said some dumb stuff without thinking through it. Maybe you're from humble beginnings. Maybe you have slept through some big moments in your life when you should have been present. Maybe you've let your friends and family down over and over again. Maybe you're like Peter. Maybe you're like me. Good news. God knew what he was doing when he created you. And he is calling you and pursuing you. He has a special place on the team for you because there is incredibly important healing, helping, saving, life-altering, world-changing work to be done by you and me. And all you have to really do is sort of join the merry band and follow Jesus and just go all in. Say, yep, I'm, I'm in. Love, this, this relationship between living out love and failure, it's really kind of all about a wor- our worldview, the context in which we really see ourselves living out love on a daily basis. If you be- really believe in a context that's basically all about karma, you know, you get what you give kind of thing, at the end of the day, I think you're going to love very cautiously because ultimately that's kind of a self-centered perspective. If your worldview really comes down to uh, guilt and shame, which so much of our thinking, so much of our motivations, really underneath, we're, we're motivated by guilt and shame a lot of times. I think you might love sort of begrudgingly, like, I, gotta, I guess i got to do this, right? That's ultimately not a God-centered perspective. But if we believe in a world defined and centered on God's love and mercy and grace, we really can be people who love boldly because he's on the throne. Here's what, I'm going to give you some simple steps. Here's what God wants us to do. Number one, love boldly. Love boldly. I was reading something a couple days ago about how we tend to think that uh, clarity must precede action. Right? We need to get it all figured out before we do anything about it. Right? Paralysis of analysis sometimes. We Christians, we really suffer from this sometimes. Like, ah, I don't want to do it until I get it just right. But, you know, uh, studies will show that a lot of times action precedes clarity. We learn, we get clarity, we get understanding in the doing, in the process of the doing, as we go. So we need to do the next right thing. And clarity and action, they kind of build on one another like two pedals on a bike. So love boldly. Now the asterisk is there with an arrow to the dough because guess what? Yes, you will fail sometimes. Try not to. But don't be surprised. And don't fall into despair when it doesn't always work out. You will fail sometimes. Love boldly. And then, you know, when you fail, uh, to learn from your failures. I do not want to minimize the negative impact we can have. Okay, we need to love thoughtfully and we need to love carefully as in full of care, but not as in full of fear. Right? Not that kind of careful. Just listen, just don't go around repeating the same failures. If we're really trusting God and letting Jesus transform our lives, I mean, transformation is a part of this. And so a Christian is not a person who never fails, nor is a Christian a person who fails the same way over and over and over again without ever changing or growing. Instead, here, quote me on this. A Christian is a person who's always failing in new and different ways. And along the way, we get to experience some of these amazing wow moments with God. I mean, really, we tell our interns this all the time. It's okay to fail. Just fail differently this time. 
And then number three, lick your wounds. You know, when, this, when things go wrong, when failures happen, there's some healing that needs to happen of yourself, maybe some counseling needs to happen. You need to explore that. Uh, relationally, there's some forgiveness that needs to happen, some reconciliation, some boundaries that might need to be set up. So you've got to do that work. But sooner or later, you come on through to step four. And oh, look, step four is just an arrow back to step one. Love boldly. Get back in the game and love again. Because love does. And even though, even though you fail, even though I fail, we're going to fail in how we express love. We're going to fail in how we receive love, how we understand and interpret love. But here's some really good news. Uh, God says... And, and you probably heard this at a wedding, 1 Corinthians 13. You've heard it a lot of times, love is patient, love is kind. Pay attention for this line next time you hear that. Love never fails. Love, God's love never fails. We fail. But God's love does not ever fail. Look at these verses from one of the New Testament letters. The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all... Love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Those are beautiful words in and of themselves. But I find them to be extra special and extra beautiful when I re- realize who the author was. Those words are from a letter called First Peter. You know, you've got to love Paul. He's this towering figure, towering intellect, wrote so much of the New Testament. But I, I sure am thankful for Peter. Because he's kind of a goofball, knucklehead like you and me. That God used in amazing ways. Um, I'm going to end with one of my favorite stories. My pastor back home uh, used to tell this story. He, uh, he got to go in like 96. He went to India on a trip doing some work, probably teaching or something. And in between that, he, he had the chance to tour a factory where they made these beautiful tapestries. I think we have an image of one we'll show you. Um, these woven, hand-woven. And so uh, they were torn around and got to tell them the story. Somebody told the story about, you know, somebody asked the question, what happens uh, when they mess up? Because if they mess up even one line on one of those things, they can't go back. They can't undo it. They would have to throw it away. And he said, do they just throw these things away? And they said, oh, no, no, no. It's really cool. What happens when there's, a, when there's a flaw, when there's an error, is then they take it over to the one who's called the master weaver. And the master weaver takes that, that error, that flawed piece of work. They take a step back, they, they look at it, and they reimagine a new pattern. And they come up with an entirely new design that's sort of based off of the flaw. And wouldn't you know it, that those are the ones that end up becoming some of the most beautiful and absolutely unique designs uh, of all. I want to tell you that our God is like that master weaver. He, He longs to take our lives, whatever we've done with them, And because of his love uh, flowing to us and through us, he wants to make something beautiful out of each of them. He works not with thread and cloth, but with people and lives. And he wants to make a unique creation that's a unique testament to his goodness and his love. Let's pray.
Loving God, I look forward to the day that's coming when you will create a new heaven and a new earth. And I want to sit down with Peter in heaven one day, God, and tell stories and laugh and, and remember all of the great things that you did out of all the messes that we made. Lord, help us to love well. Help us um, to be full of care in the ways that we choose to show love, but help us also to be bold, trusting in your goodness. Lord, may we fail spectacularly if it means that people will know more about your goodness and your love. This is our prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen.